If y'all can remember way back when, uh, weeks and weeks ago, before the pops busted and before the ministry team meeting, we started a, a new series that we called It's Different in the Kingdom. And uh, so this will be part two of It's Different in the Kingdom. And we had talked about healing and, and we didn't get through. I, I don't know that we would ever get through with this subject, but uh, tonight will be uh, the second part of that. I called it Healing, Follow and Learn. Because uh, the last time we were together, we talked about um, how people weren't healed until they heard. Uh, they had to know it was possible. They had to have the hope uh, that it could even happen before they were healed. And that's really what Jesus did. He went about preaching the good news. And what's the good news to the sick? Yes, you don't have to be sick anymore. You're healed. And uh, we talked about faith stopping at the question mark, that we can't believe for what we have a question mark about. And we talked about uh, God's will to heal, his nature to heal. I'm just trying to refresh your memory because I had to go back and refresh mine. And uh, we talked about why people don't believe, and it's because they base it off of their experience or somebody else's experience and not off of the word. Um, we talked about from the beginning it was God's will to heal. Even in Genesis, all the way through to the tree of life in the book of Revelation, it was God's will to heal. Uh, whew, man, we talked about a lot. Apparently, I was long-winded that night. We talked about Jesus expressed the perfect will of God, and you, didn't, you did not see Jesus putting sickness and disease on people. You saw him healing people, therefore we know he told us himself, only do those things that I see the Father do, only say those things that I hear the Father say. The scripture says he's the, he's the expressed, perfect image of the Father. So we can look at Jesus and we can see God. In fact, he told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when we're following Jesus tonight and watching him, we're getting to see the Father's heart expressed through his son, Jesus. And we talked a whole lot about other things, but that'll, that'll kind of get us back into the feel. So let's walk alongside Jesus tonight. Uh, let's watch and listen with the first disciples. And you know, when I, when I type that in my notes, let's watch and listen with the first disciples. First, I just had with the disciples. And then I thought, are we not disciples? We are we are, we are learning from him. We're letting him teach us. We're letting him disciple us through the word. We're discipling each other in the word. So they were the first disciples. They got to walk with him in the flesh. We get to walk with him through the word. And we're going to watch and learn. So in Matthew 3, um, we see Jesus, you know, the beginning parts of Matthew. I just read through Matthew today. The first parts of Matthew is talking about his lineage and, and the history of the beginnings of Jesus coming onto the earth. And in Genesis 3, I mean Matthew 3, we see him baptized by John. You remember that, that moment when the heavens were opened uh, where they could see and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and, and light upon Jesus and he heard a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And so we see Jesus identified as being God's son, and God is pleased uh, to introduce him to the world. In chapter 4, we see Jesus is immediately, after being identified as God's son, tempted by the devil. And he's tempted by the devil in a very specific way, and that is he's tempted about his identity. If, remember what the devil said? If you are the son of God. And that's what he does to us all the time. If you were a Christian. If. He he always puts that doubt in our minds. And so Jesus had to beat that, and, and he did. And then he begins to call disciples in the next few verses in chapter 4. He begins to call disciples to follow and to learn. And you know what? One of the first things he shows them, let's go out and get some people healed. It's one of the, it's one of the first things. He teaches them, and then it's one of the first things that he does. So let's pick up in Matthew 4, verse 23. I'm reading out the King James Version. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We talked about this word last week, this word preaching. He taught them and he preached. Two different words used here. He he went about teaching in their synagogues, which literally means teaching, educating, instructing, And preaching, which means to herald or to declare and proclaim. It's like when a herald would come into town and give them the news before we had River Valley now, right? (laughs) Before we had Channel 4. That herald would come in and he would make an announcement and give them the news. Jesus was bringing news. He was preaching, heralding the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His disciples are seeing that it's different in the kingdom. Things were not going to be like they were under the old covenant. Things are changing. It says, And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people, that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And you know what I love about that? It didn't matter what it was. He loved mankind so much, and the Father loved mankind so much. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. If it was mental, if it was physical, if it was demonic, it didn't matter. He wanted mankind well. And these disciples are watching this. Can you imagine? They've they've never seen anything like this. And so, of course, then it says a great multitude began to follow him. And John and I were talking about this in the office today. You know, you want to see revival? Start walking the authority and expressing the Father's heart, and laying hands on the sick and watching them recover, you will not have to beg people to come. And, and I believe if we don't ever talk about this, we're just never going to walk in it. So the um, great multitudes began to follow him. 
uh, they needed change and change had come. They were getting to experience something wonderful. And healings, deliverance, mental health happen. They happen where the good news is preached. The trouble is religion has stopped preaching the good news and it's just been harping on the bad news. We need to be proclaimers. My dad, I remember my dad saying this because people, he was a cowboy and, and a preacher and a pastor. And he would walk into an arena where there's a bunch of guys or something. Maybe they were doing something they shouldn't be doing. And they'd say something about him being a preacher. And he'd say, y'all are preachers. Preacher's not in the fivefold ministry. Preacher comes with being a Christian. Because we herald the good news you don't see preacher listed in the fivefold ministry you see pastor but you don't see preacher and that's because preacher comes with the call of being a christian we're supposed to be proclaiming the good news and even if you don't know all the hows or even understand all the scripture you can at least seed the thought of hope in somebody you know what you need to read this book about God healing, or you need to go, you know, let's study this together. You need to plant that seed of hope because really people are dependent on the help of man. I love the fact that we have brilliant doctors and nurses and medicines to aid people. But you and I both know there are times that that doesn't do enough. And so, by the way, aren't we glad Mr. Frank's back in the house? Um, he said God kept him alive. And, uh, and I know a lot of the intercessors, y'all had been praying for Mr. Frank. And, and I, I told him, I said, God just knew that I couldn't handle all the politics down here without you. And uh, he loves to talk political. And it makes his blood pump. So anytime he starts looking like he needs some circulation, just bring up something about politics, and it just kicks his blood system right back in. <laughs> it's good that we're not just dependent on medicine, isn't it, Mr. Frank? Because there's just times that the body needs the supernatural, and it's available to us. So Jesus continues to teach. As you read uh, the different chapters in Matthew, he's, he's teaching. He's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching. He's walking with these disciples, he's teaching, he's going to synagogue, he's, he's teaching. Then we come to Matthew 8, we come to the next healing. And y'all, when, when we read things like we just read in verse, verse 24, about all these people coming and healed them all, we don't know how many that was, but he listed a lot of ailments right there. And, and the scripture says that if it was to record everything that was done, it questions if even the heavens could hold all of it. And y'all, he only operated in this way for three and a half years. It wasn't all of his life. The miracle started at the wedding, right? That's when it started. And we went from there. And so everywhere he went, there was these, and when we think multitude, we're not talking about Sunday morning crowd. We're talking about a multitude. And so 
I love something my dad used to always say, loved to teach on healing, taught on Sunday nights, taught on healing for, I can't even, 20-something years. Just healing every Sunday night. And, and he would say, you know, if God only heals some, how did he manipulate only the ones that he wanted to heal in that multitude? It doesn't make sense. His heart was to heal them all. That's the will of God. All right, Matthew 8. Did you get there? I'm switching over to the NIV here. Verse 1. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. And said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Immediately, our last session comes to mind. This guy knows God is able, but he has a question about his willingness to heal him. Obviously, by now, he has heard this guy can heal people. He knew that or he wouldn't have come. So he's heard, but he has a doubt if he, if he will heal him. And this is where most of the Christian world functions. I know he can, but there's the whole sovereignty of God question. Is he going to pick this one and that one, but not that one and this one? When it comes to the sovereignty of God, God, in his sovereignty, decided in the Old Testament, when the prophecy started forming the DNA of the seed of Jesus, to put healing in the DNA of Jesus. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Why? Because God, the Father, is Jehovah Rapha. He calls himself that in Exodus 15. He gives himself the name, I am the God who heals you. So his son is going to need the DNA of Jehovah Rapha in him. And so the prophets speak it all along through the Old Testament so that when Jesus is born, the DNA of healing is already in him. You're going to see it. You're going to see the Father when you see Jesus. And that means healing is going to have to be in him because Jehovah Rapha is his father. That's powerful to me. I love that. So... This guy has a question that needs to be answered before he can believe. Jesus didn't just say, you're healed. He first answered his question. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand. He touched the man. We'll talk about that in a minute. And he said, I will, I am willing, be clean. This is such a beautiful moment. And Dylan, if Dylan, Dylan, you, you move around. Back, while I go, you were back there. Remind me, we'll try to get the clip or Charlotte, somebody that's smarter than me. Um, we'll try to get the clip of that healing, like from the chosen or somewhere. Um, 
I looked at it today, but I didn't want to call y'all last minute and ask you to do it because I love y'all. But this is such a powerful moment. He's humbling himself before Jesus. It says, he came, he knelt down before him. King James Version said worshiped. That word worship means to, to kiss, to, to lick, um, like a dog licking his master. I'm not saying he licked him, but it was that, that posture before him, like a, de, a dog before his master, like, I know you can give this to me if you will. You got one of those dogs? You know, it's like, I know, you, I know you've got what I need, if you will. And so he's posturing himself before the one who can meet his need, but he has this question on if he will. Jesus reaches out his hand, touches the man. I am willing, Kingdom's Version says, I will be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest. That's what you did when you were clean. You had to go present yourself to the priest to be pronounced clean. You've been pronounced clean through Jesus Christ. When you, when you were unclean, you had to go to the priest, and the priest un- pronounced you unclean. But then you could come before the priest and be pronounced clean. And so he wanted him to obey the old law because they were still functioning under the law of Moses. Go present yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, several points I think are important in here. If y'all see some that I don't mention, please take notes so we can talk about it after. The first thing that that I see, of course, is that he had to answer that question before we could go any further. I will. I will. The next thing that really moves me is that he touched him. And you can go to Leviticus, not now, but you can put it in your notes. In Leviticus... um, Five and three, it talks about being pronounced unclean or clean. Um, you weren't supposed to touch a person with leprosy, known or unknown. If you touch them, then you were unclean. And Jesus, before there's evidence of him being clean, touches him. As clean. Mm -hmm. That's faith. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Before there's any evidence to anybody else that you've been made righteous, that you've been made clean, Jesus is willing to touch you. And, And so he touches him. Now, his touch expressed the will of God. And leprosy, and you can go to Leviticus 5.3, you can also go to Leviticus 13 that talks about leprosy under the old law. And if you touched the unclean, you became unclean. But now, when the clean, the righteous, touch the unclean, the unclean become clean. What a turnaround. 
What, what a turnaround for us. So his touch, his touch was love in action. It, I, I can't even imagine what his disciples, remember we're, we're standing back as disciples, we're watching this happen. They know this is a leper. They, they're probably saying unclean, unclean, because they were really supposed to announce their uncleanness so that nobody would touch them and nobody would have to be isolated. And, and so the disciples are watching this and they're they watch Jesus touch him before there's any evidence that he's healed. Jesus sees him clean. That's faith. That's, that's faith. Jesus states his will. I am willing. And this just clears things up for this guy. He knows he's able. He's already told us that. He just had a question about, is he willing? So he answers the question. Then his words declare the truth over the guy. He doesn't say anything about the guy's leprosy. He doesn't talk about his leprosy. He doesn't talk about how high his fever is or what kind of condition his skin is rotting off or how many fingers were missing from that disease or what his feet look like. No, he said... Be clean. And I think sometimes when we're praying for people, we get ca too caught up in the symptoms and not in declaring the end from the beginning, which is the way faith tells us that God operates. So we've got to pay attention to that. The words declaring. And then Jesus gives him instruction. You know, when we're praying for people or when somebody's praying for us, sometimes there may be instruction that needs to come after. And he gave him instruction. Those are just things that I noticed from that story as I just stood back and, and watched it. Uh, the disciples learned a lot that day. And Jesus would later say something to them and I know they had to look back at all of these accounts when Jesus looked at them and said in, in Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe. He's talking to the people who have been watching him. He's talking to you. These signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Can you imagine standing there when you heard that for the first time? Because they've watched Jesus do this. And, and now he's saying the believer, the believer can do this. They are, he is discipling them to do the works of Christ when he is gone. Tonight he is discipling you to do his works because you are the body of Christ. Hmm. Uh, did I give y'all Romans 4.17? That's where God calls those things that be not as though they were. If you need to write that down with he declared the word, healed, made whole, clean. 
That's from Romans 4.17. God calls those things which be not as though they were. He said, be clean because clean is what we desired. Right? Okay. I want to read Mark's account of this real quick because he uses a word that I think is really important that Matthew doesn't use. In case you're, you're new to reading the Word of God, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, often will have the same um, account of a healing or a miracle, but it's told by a different disciple. And so if, if I saw something happen out here on Lakefront Drive, and Bethany saw something happen out here on Lakefront Drive, and David saw something happen out here on Lakefront Drive, it would be the same account but I'm telling you, Bethany and David would tell it different than me. I would probably use one sentence. Bethany would probably use more words than that. Or maybe with her hands. <laughs> right? Dave would tell it a different way. So this different accounts you'll see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, same account, but a different personality telling the story. And so in Mark... Uh, let's see, Mark 140, it says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. I love that word. Faith works by love. And if we want to move from being the one seeking healing to the one who is healed and wants to minister healing and do the works of Christ, compassion, love has to be our motivation. And so this disciple noticed that Jesus moved with compassion. This wasn't for Jesus to get attention to himself. He did all things to point to the Father. He was moved with compassion. He wanted to heal this man. He wanted to minister God's healing to him. He put forth his hand, he touched him, and he said, I will be thou clean. I think that word compassion is important in our study of healing as they watched Jesus. They saw what it was that moved him. And the next healing that we see recorded in Matthew is verse 5. Didn't have to go too far, did we? That one was in Matthew verses 1 through something. 4. And in verse 5, we, we, we already have Jesus healing somebody else. You ready to, to walk along beside him? King James Version. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. This is a, a Roman soldier. He's got a hundred men under him. He's a, a soldier with, that carries some weight, so to speak. He's not a covenant man. Uh, he's not a Jew. So uh, you'll see in some of the other accounts that we study that uh, the Jews were the ones with the right to healing uh, under the Old Covenant, but he's a centurion soldier. 
and he comes to Jesus. He came to him, beseeching him, verse 6, and saying, Lord, oh, that's an important word, isn't it? Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I'll come heal him. This just blows religion out of the water because no, there is no talking God into this. It's, this has happened, my servant is being tormented, and Jesus says, I'll, I'll come heal him. This shows the heart of the Father, the willingness of God. Literally, in, in the literal translation, it says, I am coming and will heal him. I am coming and will heal him. And Adam Clark, if you've got Adam Clark's commentary, has some really interesting commentary on that for those of you who want to do a deeper study. Verse 8 says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. What? That, this is so powerful. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. Military here. Think military. I'm a man under authority. having soul, And I have soldiers under me. I'm under authority. I'm in authority. And I say to this man, go. And what happens? He goes. I say to another man, come. And what happens? He comes. And to my servant, do this. And what happens? He does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. I don't know about y'all, but when it states that Jesus marveled about something, I want to look and see what it was. Because Jesus has seen healings and miracles, water turned to wine. I mean, he has seen some stuff, and never have I noticed that he marveled at something until this soldier this ranked soldier says, all you've got to do is speak the word. And Jesus marveled. It, and when I looked up the word marveled, it, it literally meant that he, that he was in wonder and that he was in admiration of this man's faith. He wasn't even a covenant man. But obviously... He had heard about Jesus because he called him Lord. He submitted himself. Remember, this man understands authority. This is the key to his faith. He understood that if he submitted himself to the authority of Jesus, calling him Lord, that if Jesus said, go, he would go. If he said, come, he would come. If he said, do this, he would do this. And if he said, healed, then the servant would be healed. This is huge. This is where we want to function. This is where we want to function in healing. That we don't need some sign that, that, that if we can take Jesus at his word... That's marvelous. 
that's marvelous. I, we could just we could spend the night right here on studying this. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Verse 10, and he said to them that followed. He's, he's telling the people around him, the disciples and the people around him. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. What's he saying? Not even among the covenant people that have studied God and his miraculous works all their lives that can literally quote the law of Moses. I haven't seen this kind of faith before. Maybe we need to pay attention to this guy. Maybe we need to get a hold of what this guy has. I have never thought before about him calling him Lord, being him submitting to the authority that he just talked about until tonight. Is Jesus your Lord? What does that mean? That means if he says healed, healed it is. That means if he says repent, repent it is. That means if he says go, go it is. Come, come it is. Because we're submitting and we're understanding the authority and that all we need is his word. Verse 11 says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So all these non-covenant Gentiles are going to come into the kingdom is really what he's talking about here. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So even those that were, were brought up as Jews, some of them will not receive and enter into the kingdom. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. If y'all didn't learn something out of that story, we, we, missed, we missed it. We notice Jesus' willingness, even to someone who's not a Jew. Uh, the man's understanding of authority obviously aided his ability to take Jesus at his word. Uh, Jesus marveled. He was filled with wonder. He, was admi he admired this man's faith. And then I, I know we covered all those, but then he says, Go your way as you have believed, be it done unto you. This is where I think religion misses this point. I say religion because if we're in true Christianity, <laughs> then, then we get it. This man's faith has something to do with, his heal with the healing of the servant. And I feel like sometimes we're just kind of like, God, please do this. In our doubt. Because we're desperate. And, and we miss this point right here. And we'll see this in the other accounts of healing if, if we get to them. Um, obviously we won't tonight, but... He said, go your way, and as you have believed, not as Jesus believed, his, his end is settled. It's prophesied. It's in, the, it's in the record. But our part to believe is huge. 
You'll see him say these words to a lot of the different people that, that are healed. Go your way, and as you have believed, be it done unto you. If you've been believing God for healing, and I come up to you and say, as you have believed, be it done unto you, what would that look like? Depends on what you believed. So I need to not question God. I need to question where I am in faith in God. And it's what people do. They question God. Why didn't God heal so-and-so? Well, we get into a lot of things that we just don't need to get into there. Because we can't judge another man's inward. We can, we can judge what they say, uh, but we really don't know to the degree someone believes. And I'm just going to tell you from experience, sometimes people just choose to leave the earth. Let's choose not to fight. And you know what? That's their right. That's their right. And so, you know, I don't want to get involved, and I certainly don't ever want to point my finger at God and say, God, why didn't you, when Jesus right here, whatever that guy believed was what was fixing to happen. Thank goodness he believed that when Jesus spoke, his servant would be healed. This is just such a powerful account. People think if Jesus himself were here, they would be healed. But if we can't take him at his word, it wouldn't matter if he was here or not. In Mark 6, Jesus is teaching. You don't have to turn there unless you just want to. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and the religious bunch is there. And they start throwing out a bunch of, you know, they just, religion just takes the truth of God and makes it complicated. It's just like, is this not Joseph, the carpenter's son? Is this, you know, and, and they just start, here he is, he's healing people, he's doing the works of God. Wonderful things are happening in people's lives, and they're throwing out this stupid stuff. i got to make sure I'm not doing that. Right? we got to make sure we're not, let's just not complicate this. And so, with, with a bunch of religion. So Jesus is teaching, the religious bunch is there, they're throwing out a bunch of questions. And it, it says, there he could do no mighty work. Well, Jesus could heal me if he wanted to. No. No. And does that just make you bristle up? Because that just goes against everything we've ever heard out of religion. There he could do no mighty work. Is somebody turned to that? Are you there? And there he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Oh, we got the whole marvel word again right here, don't we? Going the other direction. He marveled at the, man, the centurion's faith because of his ability to take his word and believe. And then he marveled at the religious bunch who should know 
the story of the serpent on the pole and all the people that were healed from the serpent's bite, if they would keep their eyes on Jesus on the cross, serpent on the pole, they've got all of these types and shadows, all these miraculous wonders that they've seen God do, and they can't believe. And so there, Jesus could do, no, that goes against religion. Jesus could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. God needs faith. It's what he needs from me. It's what connects me. It's my, it's the receiver. Faith is the receiver to what God has promised us. And that just, when I read that, it just grieves me. There he could do no mighty work. He marveled at their unbelief. I think, oh, let's, let's go ahead and get, I think we can get the last one in Matthew 8. I know we've covered a lot of ground, but let's, Jesus is healing a lot. This is just in, so far in Matthew. Um, let's see. Matthew 8, oh, verse 14. Matthew 8, 14. Uh, he's just, the, the servant of the centurion is healed. And this is the next verse. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw Peter's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all that were sick. You know what? Those people that were brought to him, they had some faith. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He healed, before he ever went to the cross, he healed on the credit, on, on the basis of the promise of the prophecies that were already told about him that he would bear. This is from Isaiah 53, 4, 5, 6. He healed on the credit of what was spoken about him that he was going to fulfill on the cross. He just told you that, that it might be fulfilled. When did he bear our sicknesses? When, on the cross. He bore our sin nature, and he took the stripes upon his back that we would be healed. He healed before it even happened. That's how sure God's word is. Before he had actually paid, before he had actually paid, he, he healed on the promise, all the promises that had already been laid out, all the prophecies that had been laid out about his healing nature. He healed. That's how sure God's word is. That's amazing to me. Another thing I noticed about this 
is this was as simple as this. He touched her hand. Why do we make it complicated? The believer shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, Lord, we bring him. We're laying her down here, Father. We're beat her with the Bible and spit on her and... You know, and, and there are things about anointing with oil and calling the elders of the church, and we'll find those in the scripture. But there's also this time. I've seen it happen out in the church service. Just walk past somebody, walk past somebody while you're ministering, and then come later and say, I was having trouble with that shoulder. The believer shall lay hands on the sick. It's not something you have to conjure up. It's not something you have to work up. It's just something you have to believe. And as you're walking with Jesus and you're, you're seeing him minister to the sick, can you be so brave? Can you be so mature? as to see yourself in the body of Christ doing the works of Christ. Because really, where are you in these stories? Sometimes you're the person being healed. But we're headed to the place where we need to be the body of Christ doing the works of Christ. Just think, if there was one million people on the planet that believed they were the body of Christ, a part of the body, I don't mean that you're a Christ, but that you are a part of the body of Christ and that you were called to do the works of Christ. What if, what if people knew that if you spoke the word over them, or if you laid hands on them, that the healing power of God would enter their body and they would recover. Please be at church Sunday morning. And you'd be fighting for your seat on Sunday morning. Or hopefully you would say, here you can have my seat. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I love to walk with Jesus. It's different when you walk with him. And you're not just reading these accounts, but you're seeing these accounts. And you're going, okay, Father, what do you want to show me in this account? What can I learn from this? Yes, it's great that he did it. But don't you think that he was discipling his disciples? Why would he say, come and follow me? Because he wants you to learn. Because he's leaving, and he's leaving Josh down at the hippie palace. Praise God. That's right. Jesus is everywhere because we're the body of Christ. Amen. He's still in the healing business. I'm going to shut that down for tonight. We got through, what, one chapter of Matthew. Uh, we will not cover all of the, I mean, obviously, we can't cover them all, but I do feel like we'll probably continue it next week because there's some that are a little more, need a little more looking at, 
that I think we need to go to next week. Uh, there was the woman uh, who was not a covenant woman who came to Jesus, and it looks like he's putting her off. Remember that one? And she was a bold woman, let me just tell you. She said, even the dogs get the, the crumbs from the master's table. And it, man, her faith, Jesus was just like, yeah, let's go. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll study some things. I think we need to understand some terminology there. Jesus wasn't calling her a dog like, you know, he wasn't, this was a term they used for the, for the non-covenant people. So we'll look at some of the history there and, and give us a little more understanding.